Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are. The ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are I'm joined here by two Rebecca's. We've got our um our regular Bex Garn. Hello. <laughs> and That's our great. special guest for today, Rebecca Scott. Um Rebecca, it's lovely to have you. I think we were introduced to you by our friend Rachel, weren't we? Yes, the lovely Rachel. So are you a client of Rachel's or a friend? A client, but I, I've been seeing her for a while. So she's kind of borderline friend. I class her as a friend. She's that always amazing. happens with her, doesn't it? Because she's such a yeah. babe. Okay, yeah. so start from the beginning then. Tell us how you came to be in this gang. And then, yeah, let's go on and talk about why you're seeing Rachel, what you're doing with her. And also you've got some other projects that you're working on right now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I guess I probably should start by saying that um, I'm I'm very lucky to have a, a child um, that was conceived naturally. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, get, I feel like I need to start with that because I feel very, very grateful for that. Uh, and when she was one, we decided to um, start trying for another baby. And we tried for, I don't know, five, six months or something like that. And we found out we were pregnant um, when we were in Spain at my um, partner's parents' house on our anniversary. So um, we were obviously over the moon and, um, you know, like, as everybody does, kind of, uh, well, FaceTime my parents to start with and then downloaded all the apps that we had for our first child that kind of tells you you know week by week where they are and all that sort of stuff we'd like planned out the year on that day <laughs> you know um and uh yeah and then as soon as we got back we booked an early scan at the same place that we had our early scan for with um Arabella and that was just out of impatience really just because it's so long when you find out when you're trying you found out so early don't you so yeah, to wait to yeah, so to wait to 12 weeks just felt like too long. So, yeah, so we booked the early scan and uh, went along to that. And I was thinking about this. I, I definitely felt a different level of nerves going in 
to that scan. And I don't know if that, I don't know if it's because everything went so well with Arabella. It was such an amazing experience, whether it was knowing the thought of if that didn't happen again, how that would make me feel, or whether it was like an instinctive feeling that something was going to go wrong. I, I don't know. I just felt different. Literally, as we pulled up, I just had this feeling, a different feeling. But anyway, oh, we went it. I think it's the when you're having when you already have a child and you're pregnant again I think you understand on a deeper level what you're what you're you could be missing out on if there's definitely that yeah there's definitely that and uh, you know for people that haven't had any children I imagine there's a whole host of other emotions that they go through that I can't even imagine you know so I, I do say from a place of gratitude but there definitely is that as well you know knowing what knowing what you could lose in a way I suppose but anyway we went we went in for the scan and um and like initially I I just knew and just knew from that starting point that something wasn't right and it just it was just the silence you know and obviously it was kind of in the COVID times where where the I mean, I think they do still wear masks now, but the, they, she was wearing a mask. There was a slight language barrier there as well. Um, so the delivery of the bad news was really, um, wasn't managed that well. Um, and and we were just so confused, to be honest with you, because she was definitely breaking bad news to us. But um she was also sort of saying, th- I mean, it's it's very vague in my mind, but it was kind of, she was also saying things like, well, there is a pregnancy there. Um, so we were like, so I am pregnant. I, I, f- I certainly felt very pregnant as well. I was early, but I felt very pregnant. I was, my boobs had started to be sore. My stomach was bloated. I felt like I was further along than I was in a way. Um, and so, was, yeah, so um, she was sort of saying there is a pregnancy there. And I think she, what she was saying was that it was underdeveloped. Um, and we, she was kind of saying, and so, you know, you might miscarry at home or you might not kind of thing. And uh, and anyway, we, we, we just left that appointment. We were absolutely devastated, um, but also really, really confused with what we, we didn't really know what, what was going on. And we had no kind of like follow up or, or anything. Um, did Rebecca? So, sorry, did she? Um, did she call anyone else in to have a look? No, and um, when the follow-on scans that I had later on through my journey, we did end up getting second opinions and stuff like that. And um, I'll explain explain why later. But um, yeah, no, she didn't. Um, she was just. I mean, it was really weird. The whole thing was was just so different to our first experience and obviously it would be because our first experience was really positive but it was just the way that she delivered the news it was we just we just didn't really know what we were dealing with and we were trying to tell my mum and we didn't really know what we were telling her to be honest um and I mean oh it was we were just utterly utterly just devastated we were just we were just we were broken. We were we, that car journey home was um, was just silent. And then, like, even when we got home and we were like sitting on the sofa, and it 
we were just sitting there and it came to like time to go to bed or whatever and it was like, I, I don't know we just didn't know what to do with ourselves we honestly mm. just didn't know what to do with ourselves and I was also quite scared because she sort of said that I might start miscarrying so I was scared to I didn't know if that was going to happen immediately is yeah anyway the next morning I rang the um EPU and tried to explain the situation and they said come in for a scan so we went in for a scan and and that whole experience was also I guess I've got a comparison so it was just in the same place that we had lots of happy memories naive naively so as well you know um and we're sitting in the same place that we'd been with with Arabella um with all these other pregnant women waiting for quite a long time and you know the lady next to me started chatting and was saying things like so when is your baby due and and stuff like that and the whole situation the whole thing was just oh yeah just very not managed very well I I don't think and I I didn't really know what to say to this lady I I didn't um obviously didn't want to upset her because we knew we were most likely going to be getting bad news so I sort of brushed that comment off and um and then when we went in and subsequently came out we were obviously in tears and her face so you end up feeling I don't know it's yeah you I sort of felt sorry for her as well but um anyway we went in had the scan and they obviously told us um that the baby was underdeveloped and it was I hadn't heard of a miss miscarriage um either I didn't really know what that was um and yeah the, the registrar came in and and explained our options to us kind of briefly but said, you know, you need to go away for the week, um, as I now know is the sort of standard practice that all all of us have to go through. Um, but yeah, that week was very, very difficult. You know, we knew they'd sort of said to us, um, the reason we have to leave it this for the week is under the kind of nice guidelines, just in case the baby develops a little bit more and basically I guess in case we've got it wrong on these very small percentages, you know, times in the past when, when they have, but it's very, very unlikely. We don't think that's going to happen. So we kind of knew that that was going to be the um, outcome, but, you know, we were just clinging on to hope, I suppose, in that week and Googling and, you know, all that stuff that you do. And went back the week later and obviously the news was as as you'd imagine um and so then they take you into that little room that is right by the nurse's station and you can hear them all laughing and joking and you know yeah and um they bring you in the paperwork to sign and again that I mean yeah I don't know I mean I'm a nurse as well and I just found the whole thing I, I was surprised by so much of it you know like um the the paperwork that you have to sign and you know stuff about communal um ceremonies and I don't know the whole thing was just I think it just completely shocked me um and I was surprised that it was shocking me and I I I, I was surprised that I didn't um know what a miss miscarriage was I felt stupid I felt so pregnant still um so yeah, uh, there was all of that, and it was really, really difficult. We opted for the surgery in the end, 
mainly because I was too scared. Um, it might sound a bit silly, really, because I've, I've listened to women that have opted for the medical management as a as their kind of way to get gain closure or whatever. But I honestly was just too frightened to to I don't know, see see anything that would cause me more pain because I just felt utterly broken. Yeah. So I kind of opted for that for the surgery for that reason really and um had that done and yeah like they just said it was just one of those things as they do and we'll probably fall pregnant again quickly uh which we did it wasn't that long we did fall pregnant again and um I suppose that time round we were nervous that it would happen again and but also thinking surely it, it wouldn't happen again you know like yeah the odds are in our favor right yeah yeah and, and now that I've did this community I hear some of these women's stories and you know they go through so much that I look back now and I, I almost feel a bit naive through the whole thing because I just I just didn't think it would happen again, but I was obviously worried that it might, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah. Um, so we had an early scan again at a, at a different um, place. It was more of, it was like a an actual gynecological uh, fertility place. Um, and that morning, actually, we'd sort of like planned to go for lunch after. We were early because we were, a bit excited so we had a coffee but and we were waiting to like gone somewhere for coffee then we were waiting to go in and um I mean the situation was handled a lot better I have to say but essentially they they'd said it was a bit more developed this time but there was no heartbeat so it was another mis miscarriage and yeah I mean I suppose we knew what we were dealing with this time round but again there was all those same feelings of shock and and everything else i i actually had um two very very good friends of mine that were pregnant at, at exactly the same times that i would have been if that makes sense so that was kind of bubbling along in the background as well um so it was a whole load of emotions that yeah. came with all of that um so yeah had the surgery again um got COVID <laughs> as many of us did at that time and just felt miserable but um yeah I had had the surgery and um and then sort of decided to start some private investigations because obviously we didn't want to wait for a third time I was also aware of my age and time and and stuff like that so um how old were you so, at yeah. time? I was um 37 I think 37 yeah um so yeah so we started some private investigations at the same place that we'd had that scan and initially um it was just a, 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 like a, a gynae scan um what I should say actually just backtracking because I was going to say about that second opinion so um with all of this obviously you have I had three scans the first loss um which was felt like very drawn out and very painful each time that I was having the scans and then 
with the second loss, I'd had that private uh, scan and then had to have the NHS scan and um, went in for that second NHS scan. We knew, like I said, we knew what we were kind of dealing with this time round. And we'd had a, had a letter from the from the sonographer to say that at this stage, we would absolutely expect a heartbeat so that there's basically no reason to wait another week because of the measurements and stuff. So because I couldn't bear the thought of waiting another week and drawing out that that process even longer. Yeah. Um, so we went along for that second scan and they gave it, they gave us the news and, um, but then they tried to sort of say, well, we need to do another one in a week. And I'd already said to my partner, Steve, before we went in, I, I just can't bear having to wait another week. I, I just can't, I don't want another scan. I don't want to keep seeing this on the screen. I basically ended up getting a bit, um, really triggered by scans basically even if I saw them anywhere like on the internet or or anywhere anyone scanned even when I went along for that gynae scan it wasn't even a scan of of a pregnancy I I just couldn't look at this I just couldn't look at it um and I said to Steve and and when they sort of suggested about the the week I I was I just had no energy left for the for the art not the argument the fight or the challenge to say please we really don't want to have to wait another week and he kind of my partner sort of stepped in a little bit there and was saying please can that's when he asked for a second opinion because we we don't we've got this letter it's a consult it's a sonographer but it's also a sonographer from the NHS so there's no reason why we um should need to wait another week for another scan and so she went off and got another opinion and then she started scanning using color. Oh, I don't know the terminology, but using uh, different colors on the on the imaging, I guess, to help them see stuff. And just the language that was being used. So she so they started scanning, and then they started saying words like, "Oh, great! Yes, I can see. Yes, that's brilliant," or something. And then you sort of think, "Oh, have they got it wrong?" And then, well, they were the, what they were saying was great we've got a better image there's definitely no heartbeat but we were yeah so (laughs) we were clinging on to yeah we took these lang the language that they were using and then realizing actually no what they were referring to was oh yes we've got a better image it definitely is the measurements that we think it is and there's definitely no heartbeat so um you don't need to wait another week basically um so yeah, and 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 also, I feel like I'm. It's not it's not a complete dig on the NHS. I've worked for them and and stuff in the past, and but I just felt like the the first and second loss that we had, just simple things could have been done differently to to manage that situation better, like the language, like the fact that you're in with lots of other pregnant women, like the fact that the room that we were in was right next to the nurses station, and there was you know, no kind of sensitivity to the situation. And also that my partner just wasn't even uh, acknowledged. Mm. I don't know if anyone has ever said that before, but he just wasn't looked at. All the all the choices were put to me. All the information was put to me. The communication was looked at. He wasn't even uh, acknowledged How both times. 
handle that? How does it make him feel? Did he talk about it? Yeah, yeah, he did actually, and he's not one for talking. But I'd say that was one of the things that um, really, really upset him throughout all of it, because I think uh, he felt pretty useless anyway. Uh, he felt, you know, like I was the one going through it, and he wanted to be wanted to support me but just felt I guess pushed out not by me but because he was helpless in terms of what he could do for me and then he I guess that was uh concentrated even more by the fact that he wasn't communicated with yeah. you know um yeah, I think it just made him aren't they like in, in a lot of areas when it comes to miscarriage and baby loss they they missed the mark and I don't know if it's uh training funding yeah time um I don't know training yeah tra- yeah yeah but just some I mean real basic stuff you know like real just a bit human. of empathy yeah. yeah yeah just a bit of empathy a bit of you know I appreciate they deal with this stuff all the time but just a bit of compassion and yeah so, the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month. In the coming months, we have got body positivity workshop, gratitude workshop, and loads, loads, loads more. And on top of that, we also have a resident mental health specialist. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, there's 13 events every month. And there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organising that you can be a part of. So it really is thriving. And all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too. We'd love to see you there. So that, that was that. And so, we end, as I said, we ended up having some uh, investigations which started off with a scan. And um, that what they basically identified was a, um, a complication as a result of my cesarean, um, with a, quite a rare uh, complication. It's um, called a niche. And essentially, it's like a pocket of fluid and blood of, of collecting around the scar okay. and around around the well, and obviously in, within the womb, um, that just uh, increases the risk of of miscarriage. But mm-hmm. um, the procedure to uh, the intervention or whatever to treat it is is too risky because it can cause like stenosis of the womb. So it almost wasn't bad enough to warrant uh, intervention. Um, but also he was saying that this may have been the cause of your two losses and your and, and future losses, basically, it can impact it. They couldn't say for sure whether it definitely was or wasn't. Um, and it, the consultant said he's only seen five in his career, five cases of this. 
Blimey. Um, so he said it's really rare. Um, and then also there was some uh, adenomyosis, which is um, not as serious as endometriosis, I don't think, but it does also impact the womb and the lining of the womb and stuff like that. So there was that. And then um, also I had some bloods which showed a low AMH, so low ovarian reserve and low testosterone, which also impacts the egg quality. So then it was kind of like, oh, we've got not many eggs left. Um, it was under the bracket of secondary infertility. Um, so not many, um, uh, low ovarian reserve, so low chances, and also a problem with carrying. Yeah, that's so, that must have been quite... Oh, that um, was like another big blow. Quite overwhelming. I think I think having been on on the complete opposite side of that and having all the tests and there was nothing wrong, I always wanted, I was like, I wish there was something wrong. So yes. I went in for that, Laura, exactly the same. And yeah. and to be honest with you, it did provide some uh, I don't know, comfort in, in a way because it meant, well, now we know, is there something we can do about it? So yeah. there isn't much you can do with low ovarian reserve. There was a drug from America that I did start taking, um, which kind of, yeah, helps. Um, but yeah, and and the t and helps with the testosterone. So I did feel like I was doing something. I've done all the other stuff that everyone does as well. You know, lifestyle, cut out caffeine, cut out alcohol, um, eight loads of beetroot, <laughs> all the stuff that. <laughs> You know, all that stuff. <laughs> I'd started with Rachel as well, which was lovely. Actually, I really enjoyed, I still go, really enjoy that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was another, just felt like another big blow in a way, like another thing to get our heads around. And 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 I, I'm still in shock with it because, as I said, we, we were lucky enough to have, a, have Arabella with no issues. So... Um, so, yeah, so, so there was that. Um, and then, yeah, so he basically said at that point, you could try IVF, but it will be a 10% or less chance of working. Or you could try naturally, where you've got a slightly increased chance, actually, of conceiving because you're not relying on, with IVF, they're relying on, on numbers and quality and stuff. You might just fall pregnant again. Um, but obviously, if you do, then we can't say whether you will miscarry again because of these issues. Um, so we did try and actually for a while with all those lifestyle changes and stuff. Yeah. I think it's about five months or so. Um, and then in the end, we ended up going um, with another recommendation through Rachel actually to just get another opinion from, we were really happy at that clinic, but I also respect pretty much everything Rachel says so when she had a recommendation for a consultant it was like yeah I'll give that a go and actually we are still under his care and he's been brilliant um so we went along to see him and <clears throat> we um started a round of ovulation induction um so the drugs and the injections and stuff like that um so we did a one cycle with that um but that didn't work and then we did another cycle with a slightly increased dose of drugs 
um, and then that didn't work. Um, so then it was like, well, let's give IVF a go. So we started, we started IVF. We got to kind of right near the point where we'd be looking at egg collection. But as we were going along, there was a chance that we weren't going to get there just because the follicle count was um, so low. And a consultant just pretty much said, we, there's just no chance, there's no point. There's just not enough follicles. So um, we had to skip that round. But annoyingly, we've done all the drugs, which obviously come with all the <laughs> symptoms and, and everything else. So as we had done with the ovulation induction, all the, as anyone will know that takes them, just oh, makes you a hormonal mess. <laughs> Uh, and cost a lot of money as well. A lot of money, yeah, a lot of money. Um, alongside all the supplements, of course, you've you taken every month as well. So, yeah, that was all of that. Um, and, um, yeah, so then we had a month off. We were reluctant to have too much time off because this is all quite recently. Um, so I'll be 39 in November. So this is all the last few months, fast-forwarding a bit. Um, and so we were reluctant to have too much time off because very conscious of my age and the, the fact that they have said I will be going into the menopause early. That's that's evident of the AMH and all, all that sort of thing. But I just needed just one month off. I was, yeah, I just ha had enough of it all, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, and so we had that and then we went back to start another round of IVF. Um and I had an ovarian cyst, so we couldn't go ahead with that month. And then we went back a month later and got to the point of egg collection, which is all quite recently, um, which was great. So we had six follicles on the scan, which isn't a lot, but also isn't unsurprising. It's probably going to be the maximum that I ever get. We had four good ones that are a good size. And um, got to uh, a collection, and when he woke me up, he he said, "I'm really, really sorry, but two of the four were empty. Mm. Um, so we only have got two. Um, and I'm very aware that in that five days, once they're collected, they you lose at least kind of fifty percent. So I really felt like we were low on numbers to start with. So we, I just felt like we couldn't have really have afforded that loss we were hoping to start with four which was low to start with uh anyway but um so I was absolutely devastated um I couldn't even look at him when he woke me up to tell me that I just I just could just feel that my eyes closed I just feel like tears <laughs> I just yeah because I, I didn't expect that again I think everything that's felt like such a big blow is when I've when I haven't expected it, you know, you try to prepare yourself for the unexpected in this, in this situation, but it keeps catching me out. Keep so hard. Like, you went through so many different things. So as you say, like you might've been expecting something and then you had a cyst, which presumably just came out yeah. and knocked you out. And then you're like, fucking hell, like what yeah. other stuff can go wrong? Did you at any point just think, there, what, I'm going to research everything that could go wrong so I can be prepared for everything. Or were you just oh, like, just, just going? Yeah, I've just felt like within the in the last two years, 
every single piece of information that we get as is almost felt like another another blow and then you kind of pick yourself back up to understand okay so this is where we're at so we'll do this or or whatever and then you go along and, and do that with whatever the recommendation is whether it's a medication a drug he also started me on a growth hormone injection to to try and I don't know it's meant to help as well um but it didn't got this drug from America it's meant to help but it didn't um the cyst came along, which was a complication of the drug from America. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's felt like every time we build ourselves up again, there's been another knock. Um, and it just feels like that's our that's been our life, really, for the last two years. And I don't, I'm not, I'd say I'm mostly quite a positive person. And I've tried to be throughout all of it. But it's been hard because you kind of have, the these pieces of news that kind of come in dribs and drabs over the last kind of two years and every time I feel like okay right so this is where we're at and we, and we get on with it there's another bit and it kind of go backwards and then and it's just felt like that for the last like I say two years really um optimistic. I used to be a positive person Bex never believed me when I said that you know what actually though mate I think oh because Laura and I have spent nearly a week together this week and I think I think it was a really positive time. I think you were really positive. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm I'm a positive person. And when you have, when you go through something in life and you get knock after knock, it's like the waves we're talking about, you know, these waves yeah. come over you and you have this initial trauma and then you think, okay, this has happened. I'm going to yeah. do it. I'm going to be okay. And you get that positive thinking back. And then another wave comes along and knocks exactly. you out. It's like if you're in the sea, like you get back up, but you're not quite as like able to to, yeah. to more. And then you get hit exactly. again. And then you're sort of, sort of like you know, you know, swimming costumes a bit askew and stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm not quite ready. Oh, and then it goes again. And by the end, you're just like, I'm just gonna fucking stay sitting down because there is literally zero point in me getting up. And I think that is when your positivity, you're like, what is the point in feeling positive when there is nothing positive happening? And that yeah. is really, really difficult to mm. see any way out of the darkness because it's almost like you're, it's so dark that there's no mm. point trying to find your way out because you're just going to bump into something else. So you just stay still. And I think that is what happens when you, when you experience a lot of trauma in a very short space of time. Like you have like two years just worth trauma after trauma, all slightly different and all slightly like, you know, just leading to this massive, pit of of must have been so you must be or have been in such a place of anxiety and pain and sadness and it's so difficult to to see any light and positivity when you're in that space yeah and it's like I said to Steve it's like um it's amazing as well how the goalposts keep moving so I remember after that very first loss which was just the most painful time ever um saying to Steve god could you imagine if if that happened to us again? Like I don't, I just couldn't cope with that pain again. Like how do people go through this sort of stuff? Like, this? and then it did happen again, and yeah, obviously we we got through it. But then it was like, God, I don't, I don't think I could take any more. Imagine, imagine when we have this uh, these blood tests, something comes back, and then they something did come back. <laughs> I don't know. And and after the first round of ovulation induction, because we'd been 
it's not a long time to be trying in the great scheme of things, but I've been trying for, for five months of just naturally of doing eating all these foods, cutting out the caffeine, um, you know, cutting out the alcohol, which I know it sounds really silly, but we our, our weekends were sharing a bottle of wine because we don't go out really anymore that much because <laughs> we've got a young child. So it was like even we couldn't do that, cook and share a bottle of wine. So we, I know it sounds really silly, but you do all these things and and every month it wasn't working. So then after that first round of ovulation induction, which in, in comparison to IBF is is minimal intervention, I suppose, but you set yourself up for, oh, well, hopefully this will work and um, and it didn't. So you're right. It just feels like constant knocks and the goalposts of what you think you can tolerate just keep moving and moving and moving. Um, yeah. I think, as you say as well, although it sounds like little things like you're talking about sharing a bottle of wine and you know, changing your eating habits and stuff. It you feel like not only you're going through this trauma, but you're also having to give up the small joys, the small pleasures yes. you have. So it's like you can't. Exactly. It's like where do where do I get my joy from when I've had to uh, really like change the way I'm living yeah. for the for the worse, and then it's still not happening. It just it all feels so unfair, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really does, and. Yeah, you're so right. It's it, it's definitely felt like moments of that, and you're living in two week, two week cycles, and yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy. Um, so much more to this whole journey that I guess I I didn't realize. I I've got a friend of mine that um has been through quite a lot of fertility treatment to have her children, and I remember at the time she would ring me and tell me about the various things that were going on and I remember that at the time feeling like I was a good friend to her and then since having gone through some stuff myself I now look back I think god I bet I said all the wrong things Mm -hmm. I just hadn't I had no idea I just had no idea what goes the emotions and, and what is involved in all of this stuff I ended up feeling really guilty about it as well thinking I was saying sorry to her I'm so I really had no idea what you what you went through um I think yeah it's there's there's not many of us who don't know someone that's gone through fertility treatment I think if we rack our brains we can all think of someone whether we know them well or not who's been through that journey but certainly someone really really one of my one of my closest friends went through it um and not only was it in the period where I was having my children but also I remember thinking oh god you've got to inject yourself every day that's horrible and that was what I thought was the bad thing I didn't even mm. think about you know it wasn't until we started doing the worst girl gang and I understood yeah. more from speaking to these women about the pain and the hormones and the emotion the, the weight yeah. like, oh that's so exciting you know yes yeah IVF. oh that's really exciting oh well <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I think when you yeah have, I know like, we, we you, when you have IVF you're putting your, yourselves in in the hands of people that have such a huge wealth of experience and knowledge right all these people are top of their game in terms of their medical um education so if you don't if you're not in that and you don't know all the sort of intricacies of it you view it going oh well they'll be fine now because they're professionals involved and you have no idea you just think mm. IVF guaranteed baby if you don't know much about it and I think that's yeah. is that whole the background stuff you know the stuff yeah. you've got the here 
is where people, you know, I'm holding my hands in front of my face, but here is where people think it's at. But then you open those gates and there's like everything else behind it, the hormones and the emotions and the, mm. the drugs and the, all of that stuff that people just don't know about. So people can't no. be as empathetic, as sympathetic, whatever, because they don't know. They don't no. know what's going on, which yeah. is why it's so important to promote education within these difficult fertility matters to get people mm. on a level where they they can't understand it emotionally, obviously, but from a supportive point of view that they can learn how to support people going through yeah. that, understand the process behind it more. Because it's huge. It's absolutely yeah. massive. Exactly. And it's like you guys say, you know, and, and you know, fr- friends mean well, don't they, when they try to give you support during these situations. Oh. But obviously, and like you guys talk about when people say that at least I had loads of that. Well, at least you've got Arabella. And oh my God, I'm so, I mean, she's just been our savior through it all. Don't get me wrong, but, and at least you can fall pregnant and, and things like that. So I had loads of that. And then I, and then I find, found that um, those sorts of comments weren't overly helpful. So then I would distance myself more from like friends and stuff and felt even more isolated in a way because the advice that they were giving me was meant from a good place but I just found it really unhelpful um and I I feel even bad saying that now but and that's just kind of how it was really um and you're in such a desperate state when you're going through all that trauma like you just, I don't know, I just, I felt in a desperate state a lot of the time because, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, where was I? With the two eggs. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so we had two um, and then they rang me the next morning to say that they had both fertilized, but <clears throat> one of them had too many genes or something. So if they were to and put that one back in it would be at risk of a molar pregnancy so we were down to the just one um which obviously they called me every day for the six days and um luckily we haven't got that one frozen however we've um had a biop it's had to have a biopsy for the pgta testing um so it, it's tolerated that biopsy um they said um so the consultant that I was with um although I've got these added factors that can increase the risk of miscarriage like the adenomyosis and the niche in the womb he's also sort of saying it may have been those things but it could literally be age-related because your AMH is low and your testosterone is low so let's do the PGTA testing to rule out any chromosomal genetic type yeah. stuff I don't know. Yeah. but essentially to reduce the risk of you going through another loss um yeah you know you're so, going to the best embryo yeah if yeah so we're still wait, waiting on the result of, of that biopsy um and then the plan will be um to then if if it is okay then I'll have treatment of the adenomyosis which will basically involve um so he said to me you can't do surgery like you can on endometriosis for adenomyosis you have to um essentially starve it of estrogen so you get put into the chemical menopause for up to three months so it's down regulation drugs and then they re 
start your ovaries back up. But he's saying perhaps we'll do it for just a month because uh, the problem with it, I, th I believe, is that it works really well for treatment of the adenomyosis. But um, if if that if that egg was in, in um, transferred and didn't end up in a pregnancy and therefore you wanted to restart IVF again, you've shut your ovaries down, restarted them. So then you might be waiting for them to um, kind of get back to normal, I guess. Um, so, and that's eaten into crucial time, if you like. So which from an age point of view, feel like that's kind of running out. So it would involve a month of that rather than three months, which I'm pleased about because apparently it's it's not very nice the treatment and then hopefully transfer but it all depends on this biopsy result yeah so we'll see yeah and that's where we're at <laughs> that's a lot yeah isn't yeah it? yeah it's felt like it but I mean I then I listen to what some women go through and it's just some people just you know it's relative isn't it for us it feels a lot it's but, it, a lot. but it's also to remember that this it's also important i believe to remember that this is your only experience and therefore you're yeah. really highly valid for your experience like yeah we spend a lot of time minimizing our own pain because we are aware of the pain of others but actually in our lives at that time that's our pain and that's okay that's what we have to manage and cope with and deal with and comparing ourselves to others isn't you know it's not helpful in terms of getting the support you can't deny yourself the support you need because you know that people might be you know wh what you consider to be worse off you've just mm, got to, mm. you know keep keep your side of the street clean in terms of making sure that you've got what you need and try and keep in your own path and a bit almost a bit blinkered in in the way of getting what you need because that's so important mm. for everyone is just to concentrate on themselves because comparison just is, is not helpful in terms of helping you yeah yeah and, and it's so important so valid you know it's it's your situation it's your life and yes you do you are blessed with a, a a beautiful little little girl but at the same time you have had this horrible experience you can have both and both can be equally as important in your life and you you know yeah. it, it's very painful and I, I've lived that at least you've already got kids and, and and it sort of makes brings up feelings of guilt like oh yes not enough yeah. and why yeah. am I doing this and da, 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 da. but actually you know that the baby the babies that you've lost are just as wanted and just as important in your life as as your little girl and that's important mm -hmm. to remember yeah yeah you're so right and it's you well I don't know I speak from from with regards to myself I'm my own worst nightmare because I'd give someone else's advice but you're terrible at taking it aren't me terrible at um yeah like you say it, it is about um at your own individual experience and honoring that I suppose yeah. Oh, well, Rebecca, yeah. wish you so much love and luck. <clears throat> Thank uh, you. The future. And keep in touch with us, won't you? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Rebecca, th there was just one more thing that yes. um, we wanted to find out about your um, your hairdressing. Yes. Project. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I've done hairdressing for years alongside my nursing. It's always been something I've done up until a couple of years ago when I um, parked it for a while. And then I was thinking of redoing it, but I, I don't know, I just wanted to incorporate all this. Oh, I needed to find a bit of meaning, I suppose. And so it's like, how can I incorporate 
my nursing kind of stuff, my ability to empathize with people with my personal experience and bring that into doing hair. So I was, what, I, what I'm trying to do is um, reach out to women that are undergoing fertility treatment or have experienced baby loss and yeah, offer those women a 10% uh, rolling discount to have their hair done um, in their own homes. And um, the idea behind it is that, well, fertility treatment's expensive and so is having your hair done. So it's uh, hopefully a little bit more affordable, but also having it done by, by, by me from a kind of place of understanding, because that's, that's what I found really helpful um, in my journey is talking to people that have gone through similar experiences. So um, it's just having somebody to talk to as well as having their hair done, really. So that's, that's in the Surrey and Sussex area. Lovely. So, yeah, I've been to get my hair done, and in a salon where the girl doing my hair is pregnant, or you know, yeah. about their kids, and it just there's just so many triggers just in that one little salon, right? Yeah, cool. yeah. You know, we talk a lot about social conversations, like how we mm. kind of learn how to interact with people. And one of the first questions is always, "Someone sees your age, they're like, oh, have you got kids?'" So yeah, you got- exactly. And you're just like, oh, no, no, that's a lie. The first question is. Are you going on any holidays this year? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, <true>. that's true. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. Been guilty of that in the past. My <laughs> previous days, my work's in the salon. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, yeah, and the long term, what would be great is to get a little um, group of like, say, three or four women all going through fertility treatment and kind of someone hosts hosts it in within their home I come and do everyone's hair and we all just have a chat about without having to say oh what is uh downregging drugs what is this what is endometriosis what what do you mean miss miscarriage without having to explain all those things we all know where we're at we can just talk about how we feel as well as get your hair done for hopefully a little bit cheaper that's the aim you know that's the goal if I can get that going yeah, yeah. So, the yeah. Surrey or Sussex area, we'll pop I a link. In in Do you? Do you yeah. need your hair done? <laughs> but look at it. It's a mess. I haven't had it done for over a year. And well, um, it's a mess. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram if you want to. <laughs> we'll pop the link in the show notes. Brilliant. It's so yeah. lovely to chat to you, Rebecca. And as I said, you as well. Best. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having okay. me. Keep in touch. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.